Um, so now we're going to transition to the reading of God's word and to a time of teaching. And so this morning's scripture reading, um, it's New Year's Sunday. We're kind of in between sermon series. So um, this, this morning's scripture reading is Psalm 16, my favorite passage in the whole Bible. So on days like this, I'm just going to preach my favorite thing. Psalm 16 uh, is a Psalm of David. And so would you hear the word of the Lord this morning? Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. This is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. This one right here. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, our pleasures forevermore. Amen. This is the reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Let me pray as we begin our time of teaching once more. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would teach us this morning. You would guide us into the path of life that you just promised uh, that, you, that you know, that you will guide us into. So we pray that you would show us this morning more about yourself, more about your plan for us. Teach us more about how you made us and what your plans are for us in this year ahead. And we ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so it's New Year's Sunday. And again, like I said, we're in between sermon series. We'll start a new one in a couple of weeks. Um, so New Year's Day is just a great day to think a little bit differently, to get outside the box a little bit. Um, so this may feel actually like a little bit different of a sermon than I've preached in the two years I've been here because it actually comes with a worksheet. This is the first time I've given you a worksheet during the sermon. So if you don't have a pen, that's okay. If you do have a pen, you could even write some things down during this. Um, But this morning, we're gonna be focusing on um, what, what I'm calling and what many throughout church history have called a rule of life. And we're using Psalm 16 as kind of an entryway and a pathway into understanding what a rule of life is. And some of you may already be saying, you're giving us a rule. I don't want any more rules in my life. Some of you just may negatively react to rules. Or some of you, I just caught eye contact with Winnie, for instance. Some of you may have been a teacher in your past and you may love rules. And you may say, rules would be great, actually. Um, So the word rule, don't let that scare you away. Because you could easily substitute that with the word way. So if you're, if you're being turned off by the word rule already, just substitute it in your mind already or 
block it off on the paper and write the word way, way of life or the way of life. Because that's the spirit of what we're trying to get into today is I believe that God has given each of us a unique way to live our life that is best for us, that is in alignment with his purposes and that will lead us into the life of joy and faithfulness and pleasure even that God promises in Psalm 16. So that's where we're going this morning. Um, Let me kind of get the plane off the ground here. And I'm going to start by putting two people in your mind. One of them is Dolly Parton. You weren't expecting that, were you? Dolly Parton is the first person to put in your mind. And the second one is Doc Rivers. He's the former head coach of the Boston Celtics basketball team. He's now coaching somewhere else. (coughs) Dolly Parton, Doc Rivers. What could these two people possibly have in common with you? And countless other people throughout human history. And what I would say is, Dolly Parton and Doc Rivers, at some point in the last two weeks, both I've read or watched something where they have described for for readers or for watchers somewhat of a rule of life that they live by, some kind of principles, some kind of values, some kind of life philosophy, and they were able to clearly articulate it in a short, concise, meaningful way for them. And so let me start with Dolly Parton, because she's kind of close to my heart. I'm from North Carolina, Appalachian person. Uh, Dolly's, yeah, she kind of, she connects me on an Appalachian level. So I'm going to go to her first. She created something called the Dollywood Foundation. She's done many wonderful things for kids and families around the world. Um, But she, she founded it on four basic principles. And this is what she says. She said, several years ago, I created the Dollywood Foundation and I wanted to do things to inspire kids. But like all good organizations, we needed the right mission to guide us. And in the end, what we came up with was pretty simple, pretty straightforward and a wish for all kids. We wanted them to do four things. Dream more, learn more, care more and be more. She said, if you, if you had to boil down what I feel like my life is all about for other people, teaching them to dream more, learn more, care more, and be more. And then she talks a little bit about kind of what her daily life rhythm and routine looks like. You know, she's, she's in her 70s now, so she's had, you know, a long life to develop some kind of rhythm. And she's, she's fallen into what works for her. And she says she gets up every day at 3 a.m., do you know that? She gets up every day at 3 a.m. Um, and uh, she does little meditations. I do my little spiritual work is what she says. She also reviews the work she has for the day. And she says, I do more work between 3 and 7 a.m. than most people do all day because it's quiet and the energy level is low, except for mine. I just get a lot done. And then she bookends the end of her day with a time of gratitude and prayer before going to bed early, uh, the, early in the evening. And she says, that's the thing, the first thing I do when I get up and I just thank the Lord for another day. That's what she says. 
By the way, none of this is to, to shame you into getting up at 3 a.m. because I'm not getting up at 3 a.m. either. Good for Dolly, but I'm not doing it. What about Doc Rivers, basketball coach, maybe a different life upbringing, different style of life. There was a Netflix series that, that came out called The Playbook, A Coach's Rule for Life. And he mentions five things that he's kind of based his coaching career on. Number one, finish the race. Number two, don't be a victim. Number three, Ubuntu is a way of life. Ubuntu, what is that? He describes it. He says, Ubuntu is an African ideal, a way of life, the essence of a human being. The idea is that a person is a person through others. Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu preached and practiced it with their apartheid masters to help revive South Africa. Ubuntu is a way of life. That's his third principle. Number four, pressure is a privilege. And number five, champions keep moving forward. Now, again, maybe you wrote those down, maybe you didn't. I don't think any of those necessarily have to connect with you. Again, one's a bluegrass country music singer in the South. The other one's a professional basketball coach. Um, I don't see any country music singers or professional basketball coaches in here. So I imagine your rule of life looks different or will look different. But the purpose of me even explaining that to you is to show that people have a rule of life, whether it's stated or not stated. We have things that we live by. And what a, what a true rule of life is for us, it is, is it something intentional, it's something that's rhythmed, and it's something that brings you delight or brings you joy. Because those things are things that, that God wants for us. He wants us to live our life in an intentional rhythm, joy-filled way, so that your whole life feels the way that God designed you to be. And so what I'm going to begin first with is just show you a little bit from Psalm 16 about how the scriptures are guiding us into this. And then I'm going to walk you through just a little bit of this sheet that's in your bulletin and just kind of leave it with you and say, God, do what you want in each person's life. And, um, and maybe we'll find a way in our church this year to do it together in community. That could even be an idea uh, that we could, we could bring about during the year of 2023. So first, let's look at Psalm 16, of how Psalm 16 uh, kind of lays out for us what life is supposed to be from, from the hand of God. How did God create life? How did he give it to humans? And how does he want you to experience life to the full? You know, because Jesus came later in John 10, 10, he says, I, Jesus, came that you might have life and have it overflowing, have it to the full have it in the fullest measure. And so like I said, Psalm 16 is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible because it, it just finishes with such a, a purposeful statement of where true life comes from. But even just looking at the first six verses, let's say, the first six verses kind of set up life as a choice between sorrow and goodness. <coughs> Excuse me. I think each of us have lived long enough now that the children have gone upstairs. Each of us in the room have lived long enough to both experience sorrow and goodness in our individual lives. Maybe if you put a scale on your life, maybe the percentages are different for each of us. But each of us know that sorrow or goodness is, is possible in life. 
None of us have 100% of either. But life is somewhat of a choice that's set up between these two. And so if you look at verse 2, you see David saying to, to the Lord, he says, you are the Lord, I have no good apart from you. So David is acknowledging right from the beginning that he's saying, if I want to find goodness in life, if I'm looking anywhere other than God, anywhere other than the Lord, I'm not going to find it. And that, that's a simple statement to make, but it's actually a pretty big line in the sand philosophy moment for David to say. He's acknowledging that though I want to find goodness in other things, I actually have learned that I can't. That true goodness comes only from God himself. We can choose to lean our lives heavily on him and, re- and therefore receive goodness from him. Or, as verse 4 says, because he acknowledges this as well, he says in verse 4, the sorrows of those who run after another God will multiply. And then it talks about their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. So that, that may have sounded strange to you when I read it earlier because I don't think many of us know of religions in the modern day where they do blood offerings that they drink. But in David's time, that was actually a common practice for other, other religions, other gods that would, that would be worshiping is they would pour out a blood offering and then drink the blood offering. And so that's where that image is coming from. But the point of what David is saying is that those who run after any other god, whether it's you know, a Palestinian god named Baal in David's time, or whether it's the modern god of technology or social media or putting all your success in your, in your career in the year 2023, it doesn't matter what the other god is. David is saying if you try to find goodness from another god, You'll actually only find sorrow. And not only that, your sorrow will multiply. Now, I'm, I'm no math whiz, but I know that multiplying something means that it happens quicker than if you just simply add it. And so it doesn't take much for multiplication to get really big and then the sorrows to, be, to feel really insurmountable very quickly. And David says that's what happens when you run after another god. Again, it doesn't matter what the other God is. It's just a God that is apart from the goodness of God and the true God. So then in verses 7 to 10, he turns to show us a true way to live. In verse 7, he acknowledges that, that the Lord is the one who gives me counsel, you know, and that his heart instructs him in the night as a result of that counsel that comes from God. So God is the counsel giver. Verse 8, there's that beautiful promise that, because I have set the Lord before me and because he's with me, I will not be shaken. So when the bad things happen in life or when the, the fearful times come, I can still move forward and not be shaken because God is with me. And therefore, verse nine, he says, therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices and I'm secure. How great would that be if you woke up every day in the year 2023 and felt joy and security and the confidence that comes from knowing that your heart is held steadfast by a God who is giving you wisdom and who is always with you. And there's verse 10, you know, verse 10, it says, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, which is just the Hebrew way of saying, you're not going to let my soul go to hell. You're not going to abandon me to 
to eternity apart from you. If I give myself to you, you promise to keep me with you. You won't let me fall. You won't let your Holy One see corruption. So all that leads to, again, like I said earlier, my favorite verse in the whole Bible, which I would give to you as a memory verse for 2023. If you wanna just have something for your soul to cling to, take Psalm 1611 as an example. It summarizes it all beautifully and memorably in three promises. The first one, God makes known the path of life to us. A couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about uh, the anxiety that comes from not knowing what the future holds. And that's something that many of us just get paralyzed with early in life and never seem to fully under, understand or overcome Where is life going? What is the future going to hold? Verse 11, God God promises to make known the way of life to us. How does he do that? You know, if you go to another Psalm, Psalm 119, it says that the word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. God has given us his word to guide us through life. And as we prayed earlier, he's given us the Holy Spirit to walk walk beside us and through us in our life. It's like God is walking right with life in us. It's like he's directing the path to us. If you're in a, an, an open field and trying to figure out which way to go, it's like the, 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 the trail gets blazed right before you. God makes known to us the way of life. So the second promise is that fullness of joy is found in God's presence alone. He says, no one else can give you joy, not even ourselves. Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. You know, you have these moments in life. um, And again, I just come back to football. Man, there's some moments you're watching football and there's just fullness of joy. My team did it. Yes. And then the next week comes and that joy goes away as soon as, as fast as it came. You know, life is just full of these roller coasters of joy and sorrow, like fleeting joy versus joy that stays. And what the scriptures here are saying is that there's really only one type of joy that stays and it stands the test of time. And it's the joy that comes from being in the presence of God. Not just the presence of God in a church building, sitting in pews, singing songs, you know, fulfilling the the, the religious task but the joy that comes from walking faithfully next to a faithful God who is with you always, trusting your life to him day by day. And that joy comes with that, not just happiness or, or fleeting joy, but joy that stands, joy that has legs, and joy that endures. And the last promise is that at God's right hand are pleasures, eternally pleasures not just for today again most of us have lived our life long enough to know that there's plenty of pleasures you can run after earthly in this life but what about when you die what about when your life ends what about when your days come to a close what pleasure will come then what are you banking life on and verse 11 says at your right hand are pleasures Evermore, meaning that God gives it to us forever from his goodness and his grace. 
everything you ever wanted in this life and in eternity is available to you through the goodness of God, through trusting in the promises of God. Living life according to his plan unlocks true life. When you live in rhythm with his design, you're like a a train that is set perfectly on the tracks that's going to the promised, fulfilled destination. And so how do we how do we get to that kind of life? How do we discover that? You know, there's a there's a famous movie that maybe you've seen called Chariots of Fire. Most of you, most of you at least know the music to Chariots of Fire. Um, if we if we would have planned it better, um, and if I'd given Kevin a bigger gift, maybe we could have queued up the, the Chariots of Fire music, right as I mentioned it right now. But I'll just tell you one move one, one part from the movie instead about Chariots of Fire. The main character, Eric Little, is a runner. And um, he, he kind of has this choice in the movie of either sacrificing his life and going to be a missionary in China or pursuing a running career and trying to, to go to the Olympics and win medals as an Olympian. And he's kind of going back and forth, trying to figure out the way of life for him, his path, what God wants for him. And he has this famous quote. He says this, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Do you feel the freedom there to not have to be a missionary to China? Sometimes Christians or followers of God feel like if we're not a pastor or a missionary or a some kind of vocational worker, then maybe, I'm, maybe I missed my boat or something. But no, God, God has given each of us unique gifts, talents, roles. And what God wants us to do is to feel the pleasure of living fully into how he created us and then to glorify him through that. So the rest of the movie, Chariots of Fire, is about Eric Little running fast to the glory of God and finding deep pleasure because he's, he's, on the, he's on the right train tracks at that point after he makes that discovery. All right, so now we're gonna go to the worksheet component. And I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna try to not make this feel like a you know, ninth grade you know, social studies experiment or something. Um, this is more just to, to be somewhat practical and helpful for you on the first day of a new year. And so, um, you, know, and so you're, you can find this little sheet in your bulletin There's two sides to it. One side of it, we're gonna focus on this one first. It says, who did God make me to be? Um, I just wanna walk this through for you just briefly um, during this this time of of the sermon. And so who did God make you to be? How do you understand who you are? God made each of us uniquely in his image. And you are, as my... As, as, a, as a plaque on my childhood bedroom said, I think my, my aunt gave it to me. It says, you are the only unique you you will ever be. You know, sometimes ants give the greatest presents that just last the time of life. You are the only unique you. And that, that goes from you know, when you're a child all the way up until your very last day. You are unique in the world. God made you in his image uniquely. This includes the way you look, the passions you have, the way you view the world, your personality, your ambitions, your gifts, your talents, and even your purpose. 
because God did not make me fast and I do not feel his pleasure when I'm running like Eric Little did. So I got to find my own passion, right? But God also gave you unique circumstances and experiences in life that show you even with more understanding and clarity how to live out your life. So I want you to think purposefully about your life now from this sheet here. There's there's five little categories here. And again, if you want to jot some things down now, that's fine. I won't take offense if you're not looking at me or writing things down. That's totally fine. Or you can take some time, you know, maybe this afternoon or another day this week to do this. But um, on the screen, yeah, Kevin's already, see, this is why we give Kevin, you know, a, year, a gratitude card because he's just on top of it. On the screen um, are these five things. It says my roles, my gifts, my desires, my vision, and my mission. Let me just walk this through for you. Uh, your roles are essentially, what do, you, what do you live out your days doing? Who are you around? Um, so, for instance, all of us are a child of God. That's one of our primary roles. That's our first and primary role. We were created by God. But maybe you're a husband or a wife. or Maybe you're a, a father or a mother. Or for me, I'm a son and a grandson. I'm a cousin. I'm an uncle. I'm also a pastor. That's one of my roles. But I'm also a neighbor. I'm also a friend. I could even, maybe even humbly call myself a mentor to a couple of people in life, which is humbling to think about. But if you think about your life, what are, what are the different roles that you have in your life? Because you all have them. You all have different roles, the places you work, the things that you do, the people you relate to. Think about your roles. And again, just take some time to intentionally write those down because it's actually pretty surprising once you write them down, how many things you can identify. It doesn't matter how many you identify, but it it does matter that you identify them because then you begin to see what kind of person you are, what kind of person God's made you to be. Secondly, what are your gifts? How has God uniquely blessed you? What kind of abilities has he given you? What kind of talent? What kind of skills? What kind of things do you know how to do that I don't know how to do? What kind of things do do you just, things that just kind of come naturally to you that maybe you feel like you've always been able to do? Maybe you put puzzles together really well. You know, maybe you're a woodworker. Maybe you can sail a boat. I'm naming all the things I can't do, by the way. But just think through your uniqueness. What are the gifts that you have in life? What are your desires? What are the things that you want to do in life more than anything? And again, when you're 16 years old, these things just roll off the tongue, right? Maybe when you're 66 years old, maybe you've given up on some of your desires. Maybe unintentionally you've said, uh, just, I'll just settle for a, a more simple life. But God has given you desires. God has given you things to discover. And those are things that are, are from him. You know, one of the things I was realizing just this week, just in brief about my desires, is I, I was like, I don't think I've gone through this process recently to discover that one of my desires has become to raise really strong, caring daughters. Like my daughters are five and seven now. And I didn't write that eight years ago because I didn't have daughters. Like my desires have 
changed some. So how are, how are, you, how are your desires being shaped today, for instance? And as a Christian, this is a good place to write in, how, how can I be part of fulfilling the great commission that Jesus gave to make disciples of all nations, to teach everyone about the goodness of God, about his grace and love for all people? How can I, how can I be part of what God wants, uh, the, the plan of the world to unfold like? And then lastly, my vision and my mission. You know, vision, um, again, this is kind of like, almost think of yourself as your own little personal business. Like what's, what's your vision statement as a person? Meaning a vision is something big and wide. Like I, I want to do this. I envision being the kind of person and doing the kind of things like this. You know, what do you want your life to be like this time next year or this time five years from now or 10 years from now? And then your mission is how do you work towards that today? What are the things you can do on a daily basis to work towards that vision? You know, maybe you want to go back to school or maybe you want to change careers or maybe you want to, I don't know, adopt a, adopt a child. I'm just throwing things out there. I love the facial reactions I get when I start throwing out examples, by the way, because each of us are unique. Each of us have our own calling in life. All right. So lastly, let's flip to the, the backside then. And so if you're trying to put together your unique rule of life in response kind of to who you are. So if this side is who did God make me uniquely to be? How do I understand myself? Then the other side is your rule of life or your way of life, your rhythm, your purpose, your plan, your intentional thought for each day, each week, each year. Um, again, think through these three words, intentional, rhythm, and delight. As you work through kind of a boxy kind of chart here, um, don't lose those three words, intentional, rhythm, and delight. Think through each moment that you're given, each day, each week, each month, each quarter, each year. That's what the, the bottom sides here are. And then across the top are given five different categories that are meant to kind of give you a, a holistic understanding of your life. And again, I, I really am under the conviction that this is something for young and old, for retired and working, for, you know, for any life situation. This is something that could work uniquely for you and everyone's is gonna look different. But the five categories are time, trust, temple, treasure, talent. That's just, that's just the T's. And by the way, this is, I didn't come up with this. This is a book called Crafting a Rule of Life. He, put, he puts this together for us. And so again, this is a resource that if you'd like more info, you can use this. I'd be happy to give you a copy. But the, the time, trust, temple, treasure, talent, it's just an easy way to kind of remember it because they all start with T's. But what they mean are, in terms of time, what are your spiritual priorities? How are you giving your time to God? On a daily basis, what are you doing? Are you reading your Bible on a daily basis, for instance? Are you spending a specific amount of time in prayer? What about on a weekly basis? You know, maybe coming to church is something you put there on a weekly basis. 
What about a monthly basis? Maybe you serve at LifeBridge, you know, every month. What about a quarterly basis, you know, four times a year? What about on an annual basis? What are some of the emphases for your spiritual priorities, how you're caring for your soul, how you're seeking after uh, God and Jesus in the year ahead? How are you intentionally moving towards him and giving your life to him? And then trust, relational priorities. So this comes again, this is kind of where your roles come in. So who are you around on on a daily basis, um, on a weekly basis, monthly basis? Uh, What are some of the the priorities you want to make in terms of your relationships, how you're being a friend to others, how you're being a a grandparent to to a grandchild, or how are you being a good neighbor to your elderly neighbor? You know, just, again, I I love the, the uniqueness that each of us have that you can purposefully think through here. Temple, you know, the Bible, the, the Bible calls our, our physical body the temple of God. And that as many of you know that have had health concerns, you know, how we care for our, our physical self early in life or late in life determines how long we live and how well we can do things. So how could, how could your physical priorities be listed here in terms of exercise or what you eat or what you drink? or what you care for, how you help others with that. The fourth one here is, is our financial priority, priorities. You know, so we mentioned that during our time of generosity earlier. You know, each of us have finances, whether it's small or large. And again, God does, not, God does not look at you differently based on how much you have or how little you have. What he does look at you is how you use and steward what you have. And so this is a chance for you to think about on a daily basis, how am I viewing my finances and my treasure? Am I keeping it for myself all the time? Am I giving it away too much to where I'm actually hurting myself? Or am I listening to the voice of God and finding that proper balance between stewarding well, giving well, and trusting God to, to provide for you? And then the last one is says talent, but really think about your mission. You know, so think about the skills you have, think about the gifts that you have, the abilities you have. Um, how, are you, how are you using those things? So again, I just made eye contact with Javier. God's given you an amazing musical talent. How are you using that on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis? That's a very visible example, but every single one of us in this room have talent and skills and abilities that God created you with, developed you with, so that you could use to bless others and to make him known in the world. I get excited thinking about how this could come together for you and how it could impact our whole community. Because if we understand ourselves and serve one another with it, with them, this could be a beautiful, beautiful community. And actually, the city of Salem could be transformed through 50 people who really understand their calling well and bring it together and serve a community with it. So just to close us here, um, I'm gonna tell you the story of a violinist, which is again, another skill I do not have. Um, I gotta do some more discernment on some skills that I do have, but I'm not a violinist. There's a story of a violinist who played um, for 45 minutes in, in the New York subway. And um, 
During the course of those 45 minutes, a handful of people stopped by. Um, occasionally, some people would clap. And after about 45 minutes, the violinist raised about $30 in tips. No one knew this at the time. But the violinist was Joshua Bell, who was one of the best musicians in the world. And in that subway, Joshua played one of the most intricate pieces ever written with a violin that was worth $3.5 million. Two days before he played in the subway, Joshua Bell sold out a Boston theater and the seats averaged about $100 per seat. As this little article explains, the experiment proved that the extraordinary in an ordinary environment does not shine and is so often overlooked and undervalued. And I just think sometimes we view our life that way, that maybe we're just the ordinary. But you are extraordinary in ordinary environments usually. Most of us are not Dolly Parton or Doc Rivers, but you're who God made you to be. And you're operating with a, he's, you know, Joshua Bell had a $3.5 million violin. You're operating with a priceless body and soul that God uniquely gave you to bless the world. And so blessings on you as you consider some of these things this morning. I hope it's meaningful and worthwhile to you. And um, I, would, I would be honored to come alongside and, and help, help with that process in any way. Um, and just know I'll be praying for you specifically, that we as a church can help equip you and help give you a pathway into God's way of life for you. Let me close us in prayer, and then we're going to finish by singing Be Thou My Vision, uh, which just felt like the right hymn to finish with today. Let me close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word that gives us direction in life, that reminds us that we're not just aimlessly wandering through life with uh, with no purpose or no meaning, but we are deeply meaningful because you made us in your image. And when we are together, we actually can, can change communities and transform societies uh, by sacrificing and doing good for the world. So Lord, I pray your blessing on each of these people this morning and that you would give them an understanding into their rule of life, that something uh, miraculous would happen uh, in their life this year as a result of putting this together. So bless them by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.